Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Now here's your host, Brad Larson. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Property Management Mastermind podcast. Be sure to check out our website at propertymanagementmastermind.com, where you will find all of our episodes, products, and services to review to include our newly launched BizDev Mastermind offering, which is consulting services for companies looking to hire and grow using a business development manager. You can visit that site at bizdevmastermind.com. In addition, I wanted to announce the Property Management Mastermind Annual Conference going on in Las Vegas, March 234 at the Mirage Hotel in 2020. Visit the website at pmmcon.com. If you sign up for the conference and both add-on seminars, you'll get a 10% discount. I look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Lastly, be sure to find us on Facebook to join the conversation of over 6,000 members in the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group. Choose Seacoast Commerce Bank as your property management bank of choice. Seacoast Commerce Bank specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. And be sure to listen to the Property Management Mastermind Podcast, episode number 26, about Seacoast Commerce Bank. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Property Management Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. As today's guest, I have Ms. Jennifer Stoops on, and she is a property management company owner slash runner. And um, <laughs> we'll get through this. I know it's kind of a, a thing that we'll be wanting to have you on. So she may not technically own the company, but she runs the company, and she's the HMFIC at <laughs> Park Avenue Properties. And so we'll get through kind of how this all works, but I wanted her to come on to the podcast because she's coming to the Property Management Mastermind Conference as a guest speaker, a marquee speaker on main stage. And so I want to give an introduction and then we'll get into kind of what we're talking about at the Mastermind Conference. So Jennifer, how are you today? I'm good. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been a busy schedule. I really appreciate you coming into the, the podcast show. So I want to get your opportunity to just kind of give us the, the who, what, where, when, why of who you are. And then we can kind of talk through that as far as how that fits into the management conference that we put on or are putting on in March of this year. So give us that. Sure. So uh, I started with Park Avenue Properties in 2007. Um, virtually first employee here. Started as a property manager. Uh, so fast forward, it'll be 13 years this June that I've been here. Um, seen a lot of changes, a lot of growth. And I am the executive VP today uh, from Buffalo, New York originally. I actually graduated uh, four years of college with a communications degree um, and wanted to go into business and get my MBA, but put myself through school. So decided that uh, I needed to work. And so I got a job in a dental practice of all things um, as her business manager, but she was just starting the practice. And after about six months there, she said, would you have any interest in going back to school? Then I thought there's no way she's going to ask me to go for my MBA. She wouldn't need that there. She wanted me to be a hygienist. It was a pediatric dental office. Um, she had already taught me how to be an assistant to her because she was doing everything on her own, getting her practice off the ground. So I went back to school. She paid for it. You always take a free education. Um, it's a two-year program, and I did it in uh, 
nine months going one full day and one half day a week. And so uh, the only reason I actually left that is because when I left Buffalo, which was a very smart move, uh, I moved south and uh, got my real estate license as soon as I moved to North Carolina and met John Bradford. And uh, that was it. The only job I've had since I've lived here. First question is, why would you ever move from Buffalo, New York? <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know. You know, it's, it's gorgeous there this time of year. I can it, tell you that. Ask ba- Jewel. She was just there. Baffling. I'm, <laughs> I'm so shocked you would move from there. I've never met anybody that's ever moved from Buffalo. Uh, getting aside, so to get deeper into this, so explaining why we have you on is you're the executive vice president, which is, I, I didn't have that title in front of me, for uh, Park Avenue Properties, which is owned by John Bradford. And John mm-hmm. has basically worked to where he set up the company with your help to where you can run it. Uh, he's the sole proprietor, right? He's the yeah. owner, the principal, and you run the company and you have a good salary and good earnings and, and you're very well vested in the company's success. And John is off doing other cool stuff. You know, he talk worked his about- way out of a job. Basically. So I want to hear, I mean, we know he's doing pet screening, right? So John owns petscreening.com. And I think that's a really cool service they're providing where they help screen animals and pets for property managers. And that's Mm -hmm. including multifamily, single family, all that good stuff. Uh, But then his, he had a little tryst in the uh, uh, political world. So talk to me more about that. So that was actually uh, when John started to sort of let go of the reins and started grooming me. uh, It was probably 2014. Um, He ran, I believe it was around 2011 or 12, for the first time, he ran for office locally uh, as a town commissioner for the town of Cornelius, and and he served two terms during that, so I'm quite sure it was 2011 when he started. He called me in 2014, and he said, I have to have a conversation with you, and of course, you know, this was over a weekend, and and it's not uncommon for us to talk on the weekends and stuff like that occasionally, but uh, you kind of know the difference in the tone. And he said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And immediately I'm thinking he's going to sell the company. And, um, and he said, well, um, you know, I'm in town office right now and I'm considering running for uh, state office. And I said, okay. And he said, so what that means is I'm going to be gone a significant portion of the year, four days a week when I am in session. And that means I cannot run the company. So he says, I have two blessings that I had to get. The first was my wife. He said, and you're my second phone call. And he said, so, um, you know, if you tell me no, that you're not comfortable taking the reins, then I understand and, and I'll figure it out. And, um, you know, obviously I gave him my blessing. I had learned a lot from him leading up to that point. He wasn't disengaged by any means those first couple of years. He won the election, served two terms in the House of Representatives. Um, you know, and then in his last year in the House of Representatives, I think it was, well, maybe, maybe just before that, about two years ago, <clears throat> he, um, he started pet screening. And in 2019, it had just exploded, um, which was good. He actually, uh, unfortunately, did not win his re-election for third term in 2018. Um, but that worked out for the best because pet screening blew up. You know, they needed him there. He needed to get that team now to a point where they can try to, you know, go run without him. And so he's running for re-election now. Um, so he will actually run in November as his election season. So hopefully he'll get reelected to his next two terms. So now he's got two businesses. Um, so every once in a while, I, I hear from, you know, from, from folks over there that just have questions here or there about how he would want things done if, if he's not available, you know, just he's, he's the same guy running both companies. We call it the family of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they are completely separate entities in, in all areas and things like that. We, we are at Park Avenue is actually a customer to PetScreen. Um, so we utilize the service and things like that too. But he's done a very good job of 
of grooming those underneath. And I'm hopeful to do the same thing here that in case one day I'm not here, you know, the next, the next chain can take over for me. We'll circle that around. This is going to make a point. So why we are first engaged with you to, to come on to the mastermind conference as a guest speaker is I came to you and said, I want you to talk about how the principal of the company, that'd be John, he groomed his next in, next in line, the second in command, the adult in charge, the director of operations, the rent, you know, whatever you want to call that title, basically the, the person running the company. They put them, and, and we use the term grooming, but I don't know if I like that term. It's more along the lines of giving you the stuff you need to mm-hmm. run the company, such as brokerage access, such as the title and the compensation, such as the telling the team that you listen to her. If you don't, you will be gone. Yeah. I mean, those little things have to come from the principal down. And so I guess that's kind of grooming in a way, but more along the lines of, of, of setting the stage for mm-hmm. you to take over. So when I came to you, I said, I want you to talk about this at the Mastermind Conference from two angles. One, from John coming down to you saying, I want you to do this, this, and this. And so everybody in the audience who's potentially a John or want to be a John as a principal, grooming their second in charge or setting the stage for the second in charge. I don't know if we can handle more John. I know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, he's the prettiest man I've ever met. And the other side of this, uh, the other side is for everybody else in the audience do they want to be that second in charge? They should be. They want to. I mean, the the office managers that are going to be there at the conference and the, the the portfolio managers who have aspirations of moving up into a company, they have to look at that and say, I need to understand what I have to do to take over a potential company and run it like that. And so there's two ways to look at this from the top and the da- uh, mm-hmm. top down and the bottom up um, looking up. So like taking that angle, I came to you and said, I want you to do a presentation on this. So basically, you talk about how it works. You talk about the compensation. You talk about the, the things you need to set the stage for you to be successful and do that. And then you talk about it from all the other different angles. Like, how do you get an overbearing A player like John and or, you know, I'm sometimes like that. How do you get them to yeah. step back and just like let you run it? You know, the, the control issue we all have, correct? Yeah. And so there's, there's, there's a learning curve for both. And yeah. uh, so now that I've talked through that, um, kind of give us a little bit of what, what you plan on talking about at the presentation of the Mastermind Conference, kind of a, you know, set you up there. It, that's a great way to look at it is you do have to look at it from both angles. And, and I, it, it probably took me a long time to learn to see it from his angle to mine. In my view of the world, it was kind of like, you've given me everything I need, let me go. And he needed more from me to learn how to let go. So I needed to help give him tools in return to show him that it is okay to let go. Um, But it's also, um, I want to always hire people that you need worker bees. There's no doubt about it. And some people that you hire, they're content, you know, being, I've got one or two people that I can think of for sure that are on our support team right now. And they're like, look, I'm good here. And and that's okay. You've got to have that too. Um, But certainly when, when we go to hire, we look for folks that want to have some longevity because you do want to look for who are the next leaders. I'm not going to be here forever for whatever. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. You, 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 you know, you want to know who your next leaders are going to be. Um, I think honestly, my, my biggest challenge is John and I have very, very similar personalities. <clears throat> we're, uh, we're both workaholics. We both have very entrepreneurial spirits, even though he's the owner and I'm not, I feel like I've built it with him since I've been here basically since the beginning. Um, so I, I have a lot of pride of ownership in it myself, even though it's not mine. Uh, my hardest challenge and probably his too was me figuring out how to get him to a level of comfort to truly be able to let go. I think in his mind, 
he felt like he had let go a long time ago. But I can honestly tell you, it really has truly been in the last 12 months or so that he truly has let go. Um, And I think I struggled with uh, getting a bit frustrated as to why he wouldn't let go. And I don't think it was a trust issue. I don't think, I think, I think it was just making sure this is his baby. And I, and, and I, I could tell him all day long. I feel like it's mine too, but I had to show him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a lot of my what... work performance. Was, it is a lot of it. My work performance was there and things, but there was more I had to show him. And I needed to make sure that no matter what was going on, he's always in the loop. So while I wasn't coming to him to ask him everything, I was always and still do always keep him informed. We meet once or twice a month, talk about the firm. If there's issues, I'll bring it up to him. Exciting things that are going on, but he gets reports, he gets data, he gets information. Um, you know, we, uh, we set meetings up so that we can sit and talk about the health of the firm. Um, he knows the direction that we want to go in and, and, and I make sure that he approves it because at the end of the day, this is still his. And so I can set goals and targets all day long, but I want his blessing on it as well. So I go do that with the team here, but then he and I will meet and review all of those things. And, and I recognize that once I did more of that, that made him much more comfortable. And so I just started putting things on his calendar rather than saying to him, Hey, let me know when you can meet. You and I both know, even from our own schedules, he's not going to slow down long enough. I had to take the reins and say, John, we need to meet you know, every Monday at 4 p.m. or whatever the date would be. And if it had to move, that was okay. But at least you had this standing meeting and we knew what we were going to do during that period of time. I think that's another way to look at this would be talk about a contingency. All right. So if you have no plans on giving away any sort of control of the company anytime in the future, you could be a sole proprietor, just one person. But figure this out to where what happens if you get incapacitated, you're in a car wreck and you're paralyzed from the spine, you know, the neck down. What's your contingency? And if you look at it like I create a contingency by having something in place behind me, whether that's, you know, if you're a sole person, whether it's your spouse or if you have a small team, it might be the next person in charge or next person down. Or, you know, I had a contingency when I was first starting and a little bit smaller was, is I would use another broker around town. I would use. Uh, Kevin Knight and or uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Foster, they were my contingency as a company. And they knew this. I said, you know, th- that's what we do in Texas is you can, if you have to, if there's a law or rule that says if you can't be reached within 48 hours, you're in violation of some trek guidelines, et cetera. So I would go to Alaska on these crazy long hunting trips. And I told them, look, I'll be gone. If my team needs anything, can they reach out to you? And of course they were more than gracious, you know, j- um, both those g- gentlemen. But that's the other point is, is think of a, a contingency like, what if something happens to you, if nothing else, design potentially something to where somebody can come in and take over, or at least have an idea about it. Now, the meetings. Okay, the meetings. That's straight out of uh, EOS, right? The Entrepreneurial Operational System, Operating System. And to mm-hmm. where you say, we're going to have one meeting a month at X day, X time, and we're going to cover one, two, three, four, ten on the agenda. And then we're going to meet once a quarter or once a mm-hmm. year, and we're going to cover one, three, three, ten on the agenda. And it's a routine regimented meeting schedule. And so one of the things that you mentioned just off air before we got on is having the trust enough to do the full open of the books. Yep. Right. So talk me through that. How did that come come about? Um, I don't think it was ever really a total secret the last few years. I mean, I've definitely seen it, but, um, but now it's to the point where, you know, he said to me, he's like, look, I am not at all involved in the day to day. And in order for you to be able to do, and this this was probably the defining moment where I knew that he really 
was entrusting me to go do what I needed to do and run it. And, and that level of trust is huge for, for any business owner. Um, but the bonus structure that I had, that John had put in place for me, um, surrounded knowing what our books look like. How am I going to go make the firm better, healthier grow if I don't know where we stand financially, if I don't know what our costs are on all these things? And I knew some of that, but I, I probably knew 75% of 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've got every tool that I need to go and do what I need to do for him. And he has everything that he needs from me with the different reporting. The, he gets, he's always gotten the books from our bookkeeper. But now I sit down with our bookkeeper, with our CFO. And I go through those things with them on a monthly basis, you know, as it goes over to John as well. Um, and so we're seeing the same things, which is great because we're on the same page. So that really was a defining moment where he, and he said, I, I've never had anything to hide. It just now it's time. Um, so I got to admit, so that was great. I got to admit, this was, you know, coming to you was a little self-serving because I'm in the same position where, where I wanted to create something like that. And I went to our, our second in charge, who's Melanie, Melanie Thomas. Yep. And uh, I went to her six, eight months ago. And I said, hey, go get your broker's license. And we'll talk about you becoming the managing broker and start to take over RentWorks a little bit more. Because I'm becoming this this conference putter honor, right? <laughs> Which is my... Like be, the mogul now. Right. It's the conference putter honor. That's going to be my <laughs> new title. But we have the Mastermind Conference cooking. We just completed the first biz dev seminar this last week here in Atlanta. I know. I'm sorry. I missed that. That's okay. You'll catch the next one. And then I we will. have we have the biz dev mastermind going. So we've got a few things cooking and I really like doing that stuff. And and lo and behold, NARPM actually approved me to be a NARPM instructor all of a sudden. So now I get to go do fun stuff with NARPM and teach uh, some of their classes. I'm really excited about that. That's really cool. That's awesome. So part of this is to be able to, you know, take the rain or turn the reins over to Melanie. So part of, again, again, we'll back to the full circle of being self-serving is I went to you and I said, how do you do that? And Part of what I'm talking about and what you'll be talking about at the Mastermind Conference in your main stage session is all those things that you need to do. Okay, you need to talk yep. about the broker's licensing. You need to talk about the yep. authority ship. You need to talk about your LLC. You have to, we had to go designate her as a managing broker in the yep. LLC to be able to get the Texas Real Estate Commission to recognize her as the managing broker. So it's just all these little gymnastics that you got to run through. And then, of course, there's the compensation. Uh, there's the full authority to hire fire. There's the, yep. you know, let's talk other things like things that we may not have even thought about you and I is she has full power to talk to my attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not my personal attorneys, but like the, the, the sure. you know, business. Like the, the business attorneys and or the, the eviction attorneys that we work with a lot. And of course, and if we get, you know, served with some BSJP, you know, security deposit notice, because uh, this happened two, three weeks ago. And yep. she knows to just turn it over to Robert Brown, our attorney, and say, here yep. you go. You handle it, Robert. And it doesn't have to come to me. And they don't have to serve me because that's the stuff we, you know, we've allowed the attorneys to take service. So I'm yep. just thinking of all the stuff that we've done to, to help people out there. And the other part of that is a big, big part is the next level accounting. When, when I say that, you know, we had some issues in, in 17 and 18, and we had to get through those. And so now I think we have really good accounting uh, to where we've had a full 18 plus months under a, a certified CPA to where they've looked at us, they've audited us and they're, they're, we're very solid. And so I've gone to her, the RCPA is a, a Shannon Badger and, and her team and said, look, I want to go next level. I want to potentially step back from the business and I want you guys to come in and do more stuff like yeah. monthly and quarterly and, and really kind of hammer down and make sure that we're, we're tight as a drum. 
And same thing with our CFO. We use a virtual CFO a gentleman named Philip Mazur. And, you know, it, it's way more uh, cost effective to use somebody like that versus a full-time CFO. I've got two accounting coordinators here in the office and they write the checks and they pay the vendors, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And I'm spending a lot of time talking about the accounting because that was the biggest worry for it's me. big deal. And where you can get in the most trouble usually too. Correct. And that might be for anybody out there, like John, for example, yeah. is they just want to know the accounting is tight. If the accounting is tight and, and there's oversight in three different directions, yeah. they feel confident. When say, you have okay, somebody you in it. your firm now involved with your money, that isn't you. How many stories do we hear of people that trusted somebody else and embezzlement happens or all of a sudden money's go missing or it gets mismanaged, not even intentional, but it gets mismanaged. Those are a big deal. I sign every check or approve every check. And I, when I tell you I pay attention to every check, I've caught mistakes. I mm-hmm. pay attention to every single. So I'm a dual signer on all of our accounts. We don't send a ton of checks, but, but some of our vendors, we, we send vendor checks. Owners are primarily paid, but I check the draws. I know what's going on with the draws. Every financial thing that happens here. I audit the credit card with them. We have a company credit card. I'm, I, there's, there's three of us that have access to it. Two of them in office, <clears throat> pardon me, that, that work uh, within our accounting team. And that's to pay various company bills and things. And then I have it for, for different travel arrangements or things that I need to go do. That gets audited. The, the three of us sit down and we audit it twice a week, uh, twice a month, rather. I'm sorry, every two weeks. And so that's something that I've done for some time because I needed to know we have some of our bills are on auto pay. How do we know we're not being overcharged? Who's watching that to make sure? So I've become, you know, very... Um, OCD about the expenditures within the organization. And, and I'm looking at different things going. And I remember I found one thing, it was like $9.99 a month. And I just wasn't familiar. It was something we needed, but I wasn't familiar with the way it was showing up on the bill. And I went to uh, our financial controller and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but but we've just spent $30 across the last three months. What's going on? What is this? And he's laughing. He's like, it's $9. I'm like, and $9 adds up, especially if it doesn't get caught. He was, he was playing around. I mean, he had the honest answer, you know, but but the reality is I, I, I have to put myself in the mindset of if this were John, if I own the business, what would, I, what would I expect? And so I do look at every financial movement within the organization. It doesn't mean every day, but I am watching that all the time. Part of that ties into the compensation. Most of it is because you're just doing the right thing. You're a good person. You're a good leader. But a little bit part of that is tied into the compensation because you are watching sure. the bottom line. And I'm not going to talk about what you do, but you know, you've mentioned that you're a salary X, and then you have some revenue share X, and there, there's there's incentives there for you mm-hmm. to watch the bottom line. However, those are structured is kind of up to sure. whomever, but you're incentivized to look at the bottom line to ensure that the nine dollars is is actually legitimate, because if you really break it down, it could be costing you one cent of that nine dollars, right, or right. twenty cents. You know what I mean? And so, as you mentioned, that adds up. And you want to take a look at it. And that's what the, the principal wants is somebody that's incentivized to look at the bottom line and make sure that they can, when you're making those decisions, I'm, I'm not, not only the bills, but let's say, let's make a decision to go buy a hundred new lock boxes today. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're 20 bucks each. Okay. There's 2000 bucks out the door that does affect the right. bottom. Do you need to do that? Sure do you need to buy a hundred new signs at 40 bucks a sign? Right. Right. Those are the decisions that the team will make, and Melanie will be the lead of that. I'm sure you're doing the same uh, to Mm -hmm. a certain level. Maybe there's a spending limit. Uh, Maybe there's some sort of like, if you really want something that bad, tell me why. And then you look at it to like, why are we needing 100 more signs? What are are the other 100 that we bought six months ago? That's exactly right. And so that's that's what we want every place that we work is somebody asking the question, because the employees will come to you and say, we need this, we need that. And you have to say, well, why, why do we have a need for 100 more signs? You, you should have 
policed up the other hunter that I, you know, because you know how I'm I'm beating that up and I'm just kind of silly, but no, no, I'm signs, very, very strict about that. Yeah, signs walk away. They have legs of their own, right? Yes. They walk away and they park themselves in people's garages, they and park so themselves in people's That's cars. Such a necessary yet unnecessary expense at the same time. It drives me crazy. Yep. Lock boxes are just as bad. They tend to be mm-hmm. left on homes. Uh, you know, we're on a campaign switching back to a mechanical. You know, we had to make a decision and I let Melanie make that decision. You know, this is a, a month ago. We were looking at an alternative to the Tenant Turner code box. Yep. Tenant Turner has been a great vendor. Not really yeah. super happy with code box. Same. And, we're and, going through it right now. Yeah. And I'm not trying to disparage them. I'm just not real happy with them. No, I no. hope they can step up their game and become better. And I know I've tried every single trick. I was at a presentation yesterday in, in Tampa and they're like, well, did you try this? And did you try this? And you try this? I'm like, no, we've tried everything. Everything. And, and it gets to the point where they're working three out of four times and right. agents are coming to us saying they're carrying around a nine volt battery so they can ma- ensure that it works. They're yeah, carrying around. It's embarrassing. Yep. So we said, yep. heck with it. And Melanie made that decision. That's the point of all that. Melanie did the research, came to me with that and said, you know, we're doing this, this, and this. And I said, okay, it's on you. You make that decision. If you got to buy a hundred new lock boxes, you can do it. Go for it. And when I get to the point where we restructure her, that will be part of her, her incentives on the net operating income. So that's right. to explain that, go through that because that'd be a good point to talk about. We're, we're delineating this between profit and net operating income. Net operating income is very similar to EBITDA. I mean, you can make that yep. argument. Um, it probably is, and I'm just rephrasing it wrong. But that's that's kind of what you're the what number I you're looking at, too. right? So to explain some of that. Um, so you have to look at both sides, and that's something as a business owner you guys have always done. You've got to look at what your actual operating costs are. What are the expenses of the business? So she has to follow with the budget. You know that's something that was important. You need the signs, the lockboxes, and you have to account for those. Just like we tell landlords, we tell landlords all the time. Look, don't rely on your current month's rent to pay your current month's mortgage. You know. Have a little bit of a slush fund. You're going to have things may be going great, but there's a rain cloud sitting up over there where you're going to have some major expense, whether it's an HVAC needs to be replaced, something like that. Well, the business operates no differently. So you got to watch all of your budgets. You got to pay attention to what's going on. You got to work within those frameworks, but you got to have, you know, you also have to account for almost, for lack of a better term, an operating slush fund. You know, we have a commercial building that used to be a dry cleaner. The amount of, um, output that they needed from HVAC units as a dry cleaner is far more than what we needed. Last year, one of the two major units went out. And so half our building towards the end of the summer wasn't working. Was The unit wasn't working. It's $20,000 to replace it. And so I had to, you know, just kind of step back and go, all right, let me look at this whole thing here and see if it's a huge expense to the firm. <clears throat> and so I talked to the HVAC guys and I said, we have four units on the roof. And they're like, yeah, you have a small one in the front, you have a small one in the back, and you have the two big ones on the side. So so the small one in the back um, takes care of my office and our firm's attorney. The, the small one in the front takes care of our conference room in the front and our lobby. The two large ones take care of our huge main office area where pretty much everybody is. And you had to make the decision and to replace those. <clears throat> I, I did, but what I ended up doing, and, and it's just, just as an example that you just you have to think about everything thoroughly, one unit went out. But the units were the same age. The other unit could go at any time. So what I said was, we don't need two units, agree or disagree. And the HVAC vendor said, totally agree with you. And I said, great, then why don't we go replace it with one really good unit and rework some of the ductwork because that was cheaper because we have two main ductworks that go down the building. Those two can be connected and then we go get one unit. So rather than it being 
40 grand, it ended up, it's going to be about 18. That's you looking at the bottom line. I want to talk a couple things next. So I want to talk education first, and then mm-hmm. we'll get into some other stuff. So education is, you know, I, I had Melanie join NARPM. Uh, I'm getting her to start on some of her designations. Uh, Great. The company, the company itself, this is, you know, almost the cart before the horse. The company itself is about to be a CRMC designate. Uh, awardee. So we've got the designation. We've done the pre-audit. We're, we're getting ready to this quarter, first quarter is, excuse me, is get our CRMC designation. So we got to have the full audit where they come in and do the yeah. full cavity search, right? On everything yeah. you do. <laughs> Bend over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Greg Deering came in and did the pre-audit <laughs> with us. And it was, it was, a uh, you know, enlightening. We were probably a 75% solution where we were pretty close, but definitely need some work. And we, we hope to tighten that up. I love the CRMC. I don't care if you need the designation or not, get a checklist and follow that thing. Cause yeah. that, that is something that's really going to help you. But the education side, I want Melanie to go to, to be a part of NARPM. I want her to start getting some designations. Cause I think that gives her a little bit more buy-in a lot more knowledge and tell me kind of how that worked for you. Um, that's exactly one of the reasons that, that we did it. So I've been a member of NARPM. Let's see. I started in 2007 and it was probably within that year, if not very early 2008, because I know a couple of years ago at national conference, I was uh, recognized for, you know, uh, my 10 year anniversary with NARPM. So I'm, I'm pushing 13 years with NARPM, just like I am with the firm. Um, the last five years, probably five, maybe six is really when I took off. I had served on the Charlotte regional board uh, for NARPM about five years ago. And that was sort of, you know, John had been doing it. And of course, much like with you, I started following suit. So John was, I think, the second um, NARPM chapter president for Charlotte. I was probably the fourth or fifth. Um, So kind of everything that he had done, I sort of started following behind in those footsteps. And, um, and, you know, then, of course, went into the designations. But I started at the local level. I served in every role um, on the NARPM board. So, you know, locally. Uh, and then I moved on and did um, national committees. Um, so I started there. I debated on running for RMP, but then mm-hmm. with just sort of taking on the responsibilities of running the firm as a whole, I wanted to give myself a little time to make sure I was doing that well before then all of a sudden I, I too was absent for a little bit. Um, and uh, That was a so RVP. That was regional vice president you were talking about. Yeah, RVP. Yes. Right. You said so RMP. I was an ambassador uh-huh. instead. Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. RVP. Um, but I did get my RMP, my MPM. He was very um, supportive of that and encouraged it and wanted that as well because there is, you know, there is a lot of credibility. I serve on our state board. Um, in fact, I'm chairperson this year of our property management division for the State Association of Realtors. Um, and so that for us as a company, you know, and a lot of those things for Melanie too, there's a lot of, you want to encourage them to do that, um, to, to do leadership roles to NARPM, any other kind of education. I don't know about, you know, what Texas has as far as the state, but it's a wonderful thing because for me serving on the state board, that board works very closely with the real estate commission. And that's a wonderful place to be. So I have so many contacts there. And so there's so much that can help not only her personal growth, but your firm as a whole. Yeah. I even looked around worry about them being absent. Yeah, I even looked around at CEO and or COO education, like some sort of, you know, three, four, five day seminar thing. So I'm kind of, you know, still looking for something like that. I'd love to maybe send her to something like that to where they can learn how to be a CEO because essentially that's what she is, right? That's where you are. You're the CEO. She would be the CEO or if you want to call her that. I mean, the title is almost irrelevant to a certain extent, but that's essentially the job. And you could even mix that in with the the COO, chief operating officer versus the the CEO. 
All right, let me talk KPIs. I'm going to throw some out there because people like this stuff. They like hearing about the, the actual KPIs of what we're doing. So this is this is kind of what I put on Melanie in our first uh, employment agreement when she started taking over. And I'm going to beef this up a little bit with potentially uh, you know a portion of the NOI at some point once I get ready to do that. But these are part of the bonus pool I had her on. And these are fun to kind of talk about, especially with net, promo- net promoter scores, NPS scores. So I had a tenant move in, NPS score is greater than 75. An owner satisfaction, NPS score is greater than 75. Delinquencies are less than 10 per month per property manager, right? So that's, I'm incentivizing her to crack the whip on the property managers to keep the delinquencies low, which means they have to go sometimes ping the tenants to make sure they pay their rent. I mean, just little stuff. And then bad losses of owners firing us are less than 20% of the total losses. Okay, so if we get fired five times, uh, we only get, uh, we're only the one of the, of the five are going to be a bad loss to where like we screwed up. Okay. And paid leasing fees, our tenant realtor commissions are no more than 75%. You know, it's, it's market, market specific. Mm-hmm. Average days on market for lease homes are less than 30 days in the market. I like that one because that is extremely quantifiable. We'll go straight into the MLS. We pull a report. Yeah. What's the average days on market for the homes we're renting? Okay. They're 35. Okay. Why? Because we're, we're spending three days messing around trying to get the home on the market with full pictures and video and junk like that. And, uh, you know, that's good stuff. And if it's okay, if we hit 31 or 33, okay, I'm not going to, you know, chop heads, but it's a guide and I want to stay under that 30 days. And then our Google review rating stays at greater than 4.4 stars. And we're at a 4.6 now, and she's on a campaign like to get us to a 4.7 here in the next few weeks, months. So, I mean, she's very How many reviews do you guys have right now? uh, 550 some. Good for you. Yeah. Beg, That's borrow, and steal for reviews. Higher. Yeah, you do. And I got, I, I, we're, we're working on that as well as a campaign. Do you have, so very similar, we have, and I'm sure there's a few more that we could get into, but DOM is huge. <clears throat> Owners are not happy if their properties are not leased. You know, that's one of the main reasons they would go to terminate. I, I, we just had team meetings yesterday and I sat with the operations manager just to, he's fairly new with us. He started at the end of October. So John went and got me a right hand because I was his. And so he's like, look, I've got to go get you a Jennifer now. That's my name has become a noun in the industry. <laughs> Years ago, people would it has. Say, it, like, has. it has. It, it has. absolutely has. He, he and I will that confirm with that with you. <laughs> it has. We used to walk down the halls at conferences and people would be like, I got to get a Jennifer. And, uh, and so he would joke with people and he's like, you know, her name has become a noun. We were just at an event last week, a realtor event. And um, there was a property management team there that he and I've known a while. And, uh, and we were chatting with them and and um, the guy looked at him and he said, man, he's like, I, 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 I got to get somebody to be, to be groomed up, you know, like she's been for you. And, and John said, her name's become a noun. Everybody needs a Jennifer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, but truly, you know, with me rolling up to become John, he wanted somebody that would be me. <clears throat> and so um, we have two um, managers, you know, um, here at the firm, but we went and hired a VP of operations. Um, to sort of help. So when I'm not here, there's a Jennifer sitting here. And, and I hate to use that. That makes me sound weird. But um, that was very important. And so I sat with him yesterday. We went through KPIs with teams, but we actually also implemented. So I'm incentivized. The management team is incentivized as well. But we've even incentivized our teams. At the end of the day, and, and you would agree with this, I know this is a challenge. And, and this was a, a little bit of a sticking point with, with John and me for a long time. You know, John sort of felt like, look, if you feel like people are not performing to the best of their ability, why would you go put incentives in place? And I said, look, John, at the end of the day, 
BD, me, anybody here can bring in properties all day long. If we're not doing it right on the back end, they get paid the same as a W-2 salaried employee sitting in our office at the end of the day, whether we manage five doors or 5,000 doors. So what can we do to put in place? You can't take away from their salary. So we have to do something. Incentives, recognition, money, those things motivate people. And so it can be something like awarding people a, a certain number of PTO hours. That's very cost effective, no cost at all to the firm. We do that as part of a bonus structure. We do have a team bonus structures. Uh, the way our structure is in our organization, our property managers are two, two, two people on a team. A property manager, the licensee, because in North Carolina, you have to be licensed to do property management. And then they have a property manager assistant, for lack of a better term. Their titles are different here. We call it the owner relationship manager, tenant relationship manager. But we set KPIs with them as a management team for each team based on track record. What did we do last year across 12 months? Let's set your quarterly targets. This month, this month, this month, this is what you have to achieve at the end. And so they get a team bonus. It's not huge, but they get a bonus um, that is split between the two of them. And they have the ability to go win together or lose together. But when a door leaves for, to your point, a reason that is we basically just didn't do a good job, that gets taken. They start with a pot up here and it and it comes down depending on how they perform. I didn't want it. Um, I didn't want it to be set up that that was automatic. They have to work for it. But if you lose doors, that's a separate one that we're watching over here. It comes off of your win. So that was how we went to go incentivize. Um, so I figured if I'm getting incentivized, how am I going to go help motivate them unless I incentivize as well? I recognize that comes off of my bottom line, but I also recognize that's the best for the firm. Because if they're winning, I'm winning, John's winning. And that's it. the way you have to look at it. Love it. So I, this is going to, obviously, you know what you're talking about. This is going to turn into a fantastic presentation at the Mastermind Conference. This this topic is, I mean, we just started to kind of scratch the surface. We didn't really, we haven't talked really about hardcore incentives, you know, as far as details. We're talking concepts. Uh, we really right. haven't talked anything with KPIs as far as the other things around those. But that's all the stuff that you want to potentially touch on at the Mastermind Conference in your presentation. So I think we accomplished quite a bit just on getting you on this podcast to talk about it. And I'm going to sell my book, Everybody Needs a Jennifer. Yeah, I love it. It is a noun. And, and you it laugh, but it has become a noun. And you mentioned something very good because uh, you're also developing your right-hand person. And we're doing the same with the senior portfolio manager. I mean, that's, that's what I envision calling in that. And that's where we're stepping up one of our current portfolio managers to be the trainer of the other portfolio managers, kind of like the senior but it's just in that little realm I mean, where Melanie's got the whole umbrella of everything mm -hmm. to include uh, managers, rekey, the leasing, the business development, the maintenance, everything. And then Ruby potentially would be the, the senior portfolio manager looking after the other portfolio managers that have been here. And then she's training them on, on the softwares and going through the certain scenarios and helping with the evictions. And I mean, just doing that portion at, at a high level. And so, um, you know, we are so developing share with you one of my pitfalls that, Please. that, unintentionally, but um, I am a control freak. And so when it was time and, and when we brought on our VP of operations, it, it, I, have, I was already past this at that, at that point um, where I had recognized it within myself. But because I'm such a control freak, it was very difficult. It was not at all that I didn't want to groom anybody else. I just was afraid to let go. And so I was struggling with delegating. I was, I was, and, and, and I think John, for a period of time, went through the same thing with me. And he probably is going to go through it at pet screening too. Um, you get to a point where you know that you know what you're doing. And sometimes you feel like it's just easier if I go do it myself, but you can't do it all. 
You just, you cannot do it all. You might know how to do it, but the bandwidth isn't there. I'm one person. He's one person. And that was my biggest challenge. So I, if I were to give Melanie any, any great piece of advice, it is do not be afraid to delegate. Make sure they get it done, but you cannot do it all. She's going to be, and I was too, and still am. She's going to be so um, excited, worried, concerned, and wanting to do everything to not let you down that she's going to try to take it all on which is what I did. And, um, and, and it probably was to my detriment for a period of time, not in a you know, firm, certainly didn't come crashing down, but it, it probably was a, some months in there where it stunted me, not in the last year, it was prior to that, but it was a challenge for me. It was a challenge to learn how to let things go. And I think that that was also something that I saw in John as well. And so it was interesting because I think the two of us sort of learned to let go together. Um, he was learning to let it go to me because he was finally to the point where he had no choice and I had to do the same. And so we kind of both grew up together in that, in that same area where I saw it in him that he couldn't let go. He saw it in me. We would tell each other, but neither of us saw it in ourselves. And I, and I think we finally did. And that was probably of all the things that I've done here, of all the things that um, I've taken on that, that I've tried to do within the firm, that was probably my single biggest detriment to myself and to the firm and to John. Great point. Appreciate you coming on. That was an awesome, awesome point of delegation authority. You know, something we need yes. to all consider in that. So I look forward to seeing you at the mastermind conference on your presentation so main stage. It. It's going to be awesome. Uh, remember we're going to have our formal uh, evening awards banquet Tuesday evening, black tie event, something to that. formal evening wear, plated seating, open bar, live band, uh, it's going to be one heck of a time. That's Tuesday I'm evening excited. at the Mastermind Conference. Be sure to go to pmmcon.com to look to sign up and look forward to seeing you all there. So again, Jennifer, thank you for stopping in and do the podcast with me. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Brad. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by the best home inspection software on the market for property managers. We endorse and use Z-Inspector as our software of choice for our team to document home inspections. We particularly like their 360 degrees camera system that produces amazing views of the interior room. Your clients will love Z-Inspector documented inspections you provide them. Visit www.zinspector.com to learn more. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.